Amen. Look at verse 14 in your Bibles, Judges 6. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. Did I skip any of them? Make sure you guys are here with me this Sunday morning. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so he, that's Gideon, said to him, that's the Lord, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in all my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Stop right there, eyes up here. We jump right into the middle of the story as God is calling Gideon in the midst of seven years of oppression and opposition, seven years of backsliding, seven years of rebellion, seven years of darkness. And yet somehow after seven years, the children of Israel cried out and God sent to them a prophet that simply heard their prayer and then rebuked them and reminded them, you guys did this to yourself. Have you noticed that most of your problems are self-inflicted? Raise your hand if you've noticed that, okay? Spouses, it's not your fault, it's your spouse's fault. It always is, you know? Most of my problems aren't your fault or my spouse's or somebody else. It's my fault. I did it to myself. And the prophet shows up and says, you guys haven't obeyed. It's not that hard. You did this to yourself. But immediately, upon their cry for help and the rebuke, the truth, then came grace and mercy and so when God convicts you and convicts me and calls me on my stuff, it's because he loves me just the way I am. Oh, he loves me. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And have you had the blessed gift of God's conviction in your life where he loves you just as you are and you're having a good time and then he starts to open up the doors of your heart and say, hey, what's in this closet? Don't open that closet, Lord. And he says, oh, I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to walk in strength and in purpose. And so the prophet shows up and rebukes, and then the Lord immediately starts to raise Gideon up. And he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. He's there in the wine press, threshing the wheat. You're supposed to do that on the high top out in the open, but apparently he was trying to hide this from the Midianites. Maybe he was a coward. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he was smarter than the average bear. I'm not sure. Either way, though, he wasn't doing it right, and yet the Lord saw beyond what he was doing in that moment, listen, into what we're going to call the potential in Christ. Oh, mighty man of valor. You talking to me? You talking to me? <laughs> because what I'm doing is not very valiant and not very mighty. And the Lord says, oh, me and you together, though, when you surrender your life to me, I actually see the end from the beginning. Stop right there and eyes up here. How many of you guys know that God knows what he's going to do in your life? And it's good. Because our God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't miss the mark. And if you surrender daily and for the rest of your life, your days to the Lord, he promises to work it all together for good. Our God's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a strong God. He's a powerful God. And yet sometimes we find ourselves going through, maybe not, hopefully not, God forbid not, seven years of rebellion and silliness until we cry out to the Lord. And hopefully that seven years turns to maybe seven months or maybe even better than that, seven weeks and maybe even better than that, just seven days. And wouldn't it be awesome if it was just seven minutes, seven minutes of stupid rebellion? Like, what am I doing? Lord, I often pray, Father, keep me on a short leash. Don't let me get too weird, man. Because I know how to get weird. You do too. I see your Facebook posts. Here's the deal, though. God, we learned this two weeks ago, God won't let you sin successfully. He won't. 
If you're his child, he'll discipline you. He'll stop you. He'll call you on your stuff. You won't be able to get away with sin successfully. How many of you guys have found this to be true in your walk with the Lord, where all of a sudden the gig is up, you meet new friends, they usually are dressed in blue, you know, and they have, you know, they take you to their office, you know, only a few people are laughing here, maybe the second service will get that joke. Look at verse 14 again. It says, then the Lord turned to him. When? When did the Lord turn to him? When they were in rebellion. When they were walking away from the Lord. When Gideon was arguing with the Lord. And I want to focus so much on God's grace, God's kindness, God's mercy. This will change everything about the way you interact with God in your own life. It'll also change the way you interact with other people and God in their lives as messengers, as missionaries. You see, God is so gracious. You all know the story of Jonah, okay? The story of Jonah is not really about Jonah. It's not really about a whale. It's not even about Ninevites. It's about God and God's grace and God's mercy. It's all about God's forbearance. And sometimes we wonder what God is doing in my life. We're looking horizontally. Remember when God came to Gideon? He said, almighty man of valor, let's do this. And what did Gideon do? Listen, because I don't want us to do this. He immediately began to complain about horizontal realities, the government, the conspiracies, the economy, the church, the thing. Oh, why this? Where's the miracles? Why the oppression? Why is all this stuff going on? And I can just imagine God listening and getting, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Done? You're done? Okay, you're done. All right, let's back to what I was saying. We're going to do this, Gideon. Almighty, I'll be with you. Look at verse 14. Then, this is then. When's then? After Gideon started complaining. After Gideon got distracted by the headlines, by the realities that were so important to him. And God's like, whoa. That stuff's got you, doesn't it? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Man, so gracious is the Lord to minister to us, to find us in our wanderings and in our rebellions. I've said it many times this morning, it's because God loves you. He loves you. When he sees us caught up in stuff we shouldn't be doing, rebellions and sadnesses and compromises, Jesus said that he's the shepherd that leaves the 99 that are doing just fine, and he goes hunting for the one that got into some weird stuff because he loves us that way. He knows there's no more miserable person than a lukewarm, backslidden Christian because you've got too much of the Lord in your life to really enjoy the rebellion that you're trying to get away with. It's not that satisfying. But you've got too much of the rebellion in the world in your life to enjoy God and the holiness and the purpose that he created you for. And you're a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But when you're single-minded, remember what King David said? One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might see the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple and to dwell in his house. That was what David was saying. And this is what God wants for each and every one of us. He wants to call us right where we're at. And I'm so thankful that the Lord gets our attention when we start to get out of line. Aren't you guys? Man, because it could be worse. And maybe you're here right now this morning, or you're listening, or whatever's going on. You're like, man, I'm kind of like, you know, drifting a little bit. Could, could it be worse for you, though? Like, don't, don't necessarily, you know, say yes and tell us what's going on. But it could be worse. And God gets your attention before it's too late. It's kind of like those rumble bumps or the drunk bumps on the side of the road. Now they got them in the middle there. And when you start to drift, you hit those, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Man, whenever I hit those, I feel like I totally blew it. Don't you feel like you blew it? Everyone in my car looks at me like, did you just hit a box of puppies? You know, I'm like, ah, like I feel guilty when I hit the rumble bumps. Just me? Okay. Did you know that if you go past the rumble bumps and keep going though, it gets real bad? 
You stop hearing that sound for a second. It's, oh, finally the rumble bumps are done bothering me until you hear other sounds. Listen, God's Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Man, when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit getting your attention, what a, what a, what a gift. What a gift. Don't sear your conscience. Don't, don't quiet that voice. Instead, if you're like getting to have questions and you argue with the Lord, that's okay. Start moving closer to the Lord. He wants to get your attention before it gets even worse in your life. And I'm just going to encourage South Beach Church right now, myself included. I'm about to go to a ministry conference with dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of pastors and leaders. And we're on the front line and we're on mission. But I promise you, every single year, there's a couple dozen of them that are tired. And they're worn out. Enemies after them. It's no different with everyone here. There's a fight going on for your attention, for your devotion. Yesterday, I did this wedding in Alsea. It was such a man, beautiful place. And, and before I did the wedding, I was in wedding mode. And I went to the parade there on Main Street in Toledo. And I was watching the parade, working on my sunburn, making sure I get plenty of sunburn this summer, you know. And, and as I was there, there was a couple across the street that I saw. I was like, I know them. They got married right here. We got married down there. It was a small wedding about seven, eight years ago, and I couldn't even remember their names. I was like, I did their wedding, and they were there together with two little kids, and after the wedding, I crossed the street and was able to get close enough to the husband. I gave him a hug. I said, what's up, dude? How you doing? And he didn't smile. He said, not good. I said, whoa. I said, and I brought him closer. He said, I need prayer. I came over to get prayer right now. I said, what's going on? He said, my wife and I aren't doing good. We're separated right now. We're here for the kid's sake. I said, are you guys, are you, are you divorced yet? He said, no, we're not divorced yet. We're just not doing good. And then he went on to confess some of the things he was dealing with. I got these issues, and I, I grabbed his hand. I said, bro, this is the fight of your life. I said, she's not divorced you yet? It's not too late? You need to man up and go warrior mode on this and save your marriage for your boy's sake and for the kingdom of God. And he was coming for prayer. So I brought him in real He had a big beard, too. He had a beard, you know, you know. So brought him in close, and I prayed for him and just exhorted him. It's not too late. It could be worse. And can I just encourage you wherever you're at, man? Now's the time. Gideon's in trouble. It's been seven years. Way easy to cast off restraint. God shows up. He's excited. God's always smiling. Isn't that crazy? God's always smiling. Hey, mighty man of valor, are you ready to rock and roll? You know, Gideon starts crying. He's a whiny, fussy baby whiner right now, you know. And, And the Lord sees him, though, just like he sees you, listen, in the potentiality of a life surrendered to Christ. Gideon's going to make some crucial mistakes we're going to learn from. As a matter of fact, look at verse 15. God is saying, have I not sent you? You're going to go. Look at verse 15. So he, that's Gideon, said to him, oh my Lord, how can I, I've got that circle, save Israel? Indeed, my, I've got that circle, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. Manasseh wasn't that hot. His family wasn't that hot, and he sure wasn't that hot, and he knew it. And yet this is the classic mistake we all make where we factor in our own resources our own gifts, our own abilities, our own strengths to what God wants to do. Well, I can't do this. And the Lord looks at you and says, I didn't ask you because you could do it. I asked you because the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that God might find himself, those whose hearts are loyal towards him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. Is that not your favorite verse yet? It's one of my favorite verse, top 10 for sure. God's looking for men and women, not who are strong, but who are loyal, who say, yeah, what I want to be single-minded, just like David. I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't have a lot of things. And the Lord says, perfect. Because if you had a lot of gifts, and if you had a lot of things, it actually is going to complicate things. You know why? Because you're going to take the glory. People are going to get confused. 
They're going to think it was because of your pedigree and because of your education and because of your resources, because of who you're related to. The Bible specific, this is good news for us, the Bible specifically says that God calls the low things, the base things, the weak things, the mundane things, the things that aren't really up to par by worldly standards. How many of you guys fit that bill? Man, I fit that bill. That's my picture. And the Lord says, ah, I'd love to use you, Luke. But I want to make sure you know it's me and not you. And you need to make sure, by the way, ministry people, you need to make sure that they know it's God and not you. See, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds. And then what? Give God the glory. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and give God the glory. You're supposed to do good things. You're supposed to be on mission. You're supposed to have Facebook posts that glorify God. You're supposed to serve God and make sure people see it, but make sure the glory doesn't go to your account. Make sure it goes right to God's account. And here Gideon's like, who am I? And the Lord's like, honestly, you're not much, Gideon. But it's not about you. It's not about you. Look at what Jesus says to him. I believe this is the angel of the Lord. It's Jesus himself. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one. See, Jesus encourages him and says, look, it's not really about you. And even though there are two opposing truths, that is that you must do something, but you can't do everything. You, sometimes we find ourselves spinning out in one of the two excess or abuses of these truths. We wait for God to do the next right thing. We wait for God to minister to our neighbor. Man, I wish my neighbor knew the Lord. And Lord says, that's why I put you next to them. Love your neighbor. Well, not that neighbor, Lord. And the Lord says, what? I made it easy. They're right there, you know. And we wait for the Lord to do what he's asked us to do. I love how Gideon was doing something. James touched on this last week. Rarely does God call him, listen, a man or woman who's idle or lazy. Rarely. In the scriptures, God calls men and women who are doing something faithfully. Even if what they're doing is wrong. Remember when Saul was on his way to Damascus to arrest, persecute, and kill Christians? Okay, he was doing the wrong thing. Everyone say, he's doing the wrong thing. Everyone say, he's doing the wrong thing. And God's like, man, that guy's crazy. I'm gonna use him on my team. And he body slams him on the ground, you know. Gets this light in his eyes, pushes him on the ground, ah, you know, and saves him. Saul was a zealot for what he thought was right. And God says, man, that's, you're doing it wrong, but at least you're doing something. The disciples were fishing. They were casting nets and mending their nets. Philip was in Samaria preaching, and God used him to baptize the Ethiopian guy. Moses was tending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep, and God called him with the burning bush. Here's my exhortation and encouragement to you who are life group leaders, who are part of a four is more discipleship group, who have answered the call to teach in Sunday school, who have volunteered at the food pantry, which is going amazingly, by the way. So much food is going out every single Tuesday. It's such a powerful ministry. Thank you guys for bringing the donations. It's crazy. Here's my encouragement for you who are teaching Sunday school or going out with the signs today with, with the youth or who are married to your spouse faithfully or raising your kids. Listen, keep doing what God has called you to do and keep doing it faithfully because if you do little things with faith, God promises to advance your life and to use you over greater things. Sometimes we look at the greater things. Well, I want to be the pastor. I want to be that. I want to do that. The Lord says, hey, you be faithful. You just do what you are told to do. And Gideon was doing that in the wine press. So many men and women are being tested right now in the faithful things that God's called you to do. Joseph is a primary study for this. God told Joseph when he was a young guy, little Jojo, little dreamer of dreams, Jojo, you're going to be great one day. And his life wasn't easy. 
very difficult. And Jojo stayed the course and he served his oppressors and he served his betrayers and he served his attackers and God advanced him and used him. Silas, Timothy, it goes on and on. Stay faithful and I'll tell you what God will do with your life, whatever he wants to do. Look at verse 16 again. And the Lord said, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now God again is going to work in Gideon's life. He's not going to do this miracle with the might of strength, with the power of numbers. You who know the story know in chapter 6 and chapter 7 and in chapter 8, he constantly whittles down Gideon's army, lest Gideon take the glory, lest Gideon bring attention to himself. This makes me so happy because I'm very aware of my inadequacies, my insufficiencies, and even my iniquities. See, I believe that God has chosen faulty people to build his kingdom. So we are the first and foremost to point to him and say, it's not me. It's him that deserves the glory. If any good thing's coming from the lives that we live, it's because our God is a good God. And let me just extract this a little further. I've been meditating on this because I love to make people happy. How many of you guys love to make people happy? Where are my people pleasers at? Okay, it's a bad thing. Put your hands down. I mean, there's some good in it, but really, it's, 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 it's weird. And we want to make people happy. We want to serve and want to make their life. It's really, man, it's conf- because we're broken. We're perverted. We're all messed up. And sometimes we want to make people happy because it makes us happy when they're happy. And it makes us feel good when they feel good. And, it beca- and God's like, where am I in this? Like, oh, well, I'm t-. And there's a tendency, if you're not careful, I'm going to call it a ministry trap, to find yourself getting in the way of the glory that should go quickly to the Lord and find yourself walking in depression when things don't go your way and your spouse isn't satisfied and your kids aren't satisfied and your life group's not satisfied and the people around you are objecting to your decisions and God's up in heaven looking at you saying, hey, I see you, well done. You're doing exactly what I asked you to do. And people are misunderstanding you and they're overlooking you and they don't understand what's going on. And maybe you've had this in your own life where you've actually offended some people in your life, intentionally or unintentionally. Raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake and offended some people around you. Man, isn't that the worst? Especially if you're a people pleaser. And I've been in the ministry for 22 years, maybe 23 years. And I have found as I continue to go, I let down more and more people every single year. Can't be the person that they want me to be can't do the things that they need for their own lives. And the Lord speaks to me and says, that's okay, Luke. That's not your job. And sometimes, maybe this has happened to you, hopefully not. Sometimes we get our attention on people wrongly and we expect too much from them. We get the, we want to enjoy what they offer to us and all these things. And I believe, I promise you, God says, Gideon, I heard your prayers. I'm going to deliver the children of Israel. It's going to be a big deal. But it's not about you, man. That's why I chose you. You're the weakest in your clan. Your clan's the weakest in Manasseh. Manasseh's like the weakest in Israel. You think I did that on accident? I love to use the low to confound the wise because those who I use know that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6. Hopefully you love that verse as well. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the builder of the temple. And he began this great, can you imagine building a temple of God? It'd be so cool to build a house of the Lord. Let's do it, right? And they were stopped. They were paused in the process. And Zechariah showed up 17 years after bureaucracy and red tape had sidelined the project. He said, hey, you're going to finish what you began. But it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. 
And what God wants to do is do a work through you. But what he's doing in Gideon's life is doing a work in him first. Look at verse 17. I like this. Then he said to him, this is Gideon now, okay, God's telling me he's going to use me and it's going to be all right. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Stop right there, eyes up here. Gideon now asks for the first sign when the first sign should have been the Lord saying, it's me, the Lord, you know? And he's like, wow, that's pretty cool. Can you prove it? (laughs) Now, I must speak out of both sides of my mouth because Gideon, man, he loves signs. He loves fleeces. We're going to see that in a couple weeks. He loves to make sure he's doing the right thing. But sometimes he asks for too much. Like, Lord, I'm not sure if this is really you. Will you show me again? He's just a fussy baby whiner. He needs God's assurance. Now, let me speak positively. When God tells you and guides you to do something, you should seek confirmation. You should seek confirmation. I feel the Lord wants me to do something. Okay, why do you feel that? And you should seek it at least in these three ways. Through his word. It should line up with what his word clearly declares. God tells you to do something crazy and tells you to go somewhere. You should have some verses and some stories that back up what God is directing you to do. It shouldn't be contrary to God's word. It should be congruent, not just his word, but his spirit. You should sense what the Bible calls the peace that passes understanding when God calls you to move here, go there, buy this or do that. God will tell you and he'll speak to you, but not just his word, not just his spirit, the body of Christ. You should be in fellowship with other believers and say, hey, I'm thinking about moving to Cambodia. I'm thinking about moving to Blodgett, wherever that is. I'm thinking about moving. I'm thinking about buying this or doing that. And God will honor you as you listen for his voice through his word, through his spirit, and through his body. So when he says, hey, Lord, man, this is a big deal. I just, I need to, I need to know that this is, We're going to see from the story that the angel of the Lord apparently was just kind of dressed like a normal human being at that time, speaking promises and declarations. But Gideon needed to know, is this really the angel of the Lord? And can I just encourage South Beach Church and myself as well, that we need to get better in your life of being sensitive to the voice of the Lord, sensitive to the word of the Lord, sensitive to the people of the Lord. God is not up in heaven so busy that he can't answer your prayers or direct your life. And yet I find myself counseling with people. I'm like, how'd you get here? Well, I decided to do this and I didn't ask God for his permission or for his advice and I just went my own way. And now I'm in jail and we're looking at each other through a glass window like, ah! And people's lives get out of control. When you plug your ears, la, 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 I know what the word says. La, 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 I know what the Spirit's telling me right now. La, 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 I know what the people of God are telling me right now. La, la, I'm going to do my own thing. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever done this before? Wouldn't it be radical if we just trusted the Lord? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Through his spirit, through his word, through his people. Well, Gideon here, he's asking for confirmation. I think he gets a little overkill in the next couple chapters. We'll see that. But he asks for this confirmation. Look at verse 18. And he says, do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, this is God speaking back, I will wait until you come back. Stop right there, eyes up here. This shows the grace of God. Can you imagine this? You're talking with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He tells you to do something great. You're like, hey, you mind if I just go do a few things and come back? And the Lord's like, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> and the Lord waits. I'll wait for you. And so Gideon runs over, and the Bible says he prepares a kid, which is a goat or a lamb, and he prepares some broth, and he prepares some unleavened bread, and he brings it all back. He's got his hands all full of all of his stuff. What was the Lord doing the whole time, just waiting for him? And let me ask this question. I wonder how many people here this morning the Lord's waiting for. Now, I'm going to say because the Lord's gracious. He's so patient. And he's, he's, it falls short. He'll wait for you until you're ready. He'll wait. 
Well, I got to go do this, okay? I'll be here. Whatever you need to do. And yet, how long are you going to wait until you do what God asks you to do? Until you show up and, and sign up and be the man or woman that God wants you to be. I believe, though, God's doing a deeper work in Gideon. Let's see what happens. He does leave. He goes and gets an offering. This is a good thing. It says, verse 19, So Gideon went, and he prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, and the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree, and he presented them. And then the angel of the Lord, angel of God, said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff, that was in his hand and he touched the meat and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Stop right there, eyes up here. Would that not be the craziest meal ever? (laughs) Bring some meat over to a barbecue, throw it on the grill, the guy just touches it, it flames up and he disappears. Ah! As a matter of fact, that's what Gideon does. Look at verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord, and so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Stop right there, eyes up here. A bunch is going on in this portion of Scripture. You Bible students, hopefully you gleaned in on some pictures here. There was a sacrificial animal. There was unleavened bread. There was drink from the animal. There was a rock Out of the rock came fire. There was the terebinth tree, the oak tree, the wood, the fire, the sacrifice. It's all there. Communion, the table of the Lord, all being consumed. I believe all a picture in a prototype of our Jesus, who would be the sacrificial lamb, who would hang on a tree for your sins and for my sins, whose body would be broken, unleavened, not any sin in his life. And he would absorb the flames of hell for you and for me. I believe this confirmation is so cool. I wonder what God thought Gideon was going to bring back when he brought the offering. And he brings this prophetical picture of Jesus and his relationship with you and his relationship with me. And this is where the confirmation of the Lord came from. He asked for a sign. Gideon said, I want to make sure it's you, Lord. He's like, okay, let's do this then. And they took communion together. He prepared the Lord's Supper. All pictures, all prototypes. And this is when he knew that he knew that he knew. Ah, the Lord! And the Bible says he thought he was going to die. And God says, no, bro, if you were going to die, I would have killed you a long time ago. I'm not here to kill you. I'm here, as a matter of fact, to change you. I'm here to do a deeper work in you. And sometimes the Lord needs to take us slow and freak us out in order to get us right back where we need to go. He did this to Elijah. Elijah was being used powerfully by the Lord until one day he got some bad PR and his life began to fall apart in his own mind. And he hid into a cave and he gave up. And the Lord says, what are you doing? And the Lord began to give him signs. There was rocks that were breaking and thunder that was cracking, wind that was blowing and a still small voice. And God spoke to Elijah and says, get out of that cave. What are you doing? There's more people to anoint. There's more things to do. Your ministry is not over yet. And here Gideon in the midst of oppression and depression and chaos and the Midianites are all around. Look at what he calls this place. Verse 23. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Oh, that's good when the Lord gives you peace. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he called it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still there in Oprah of the Abizarites. Immediately now, 
Gideon becomes an altar builder filled with the peace of God. The work has begun in his life. He is now a new man with a new mission and a new agenda. And what's he do first? He builds an altar. In those days, they would build altars to worship the Lord, to consecrate a place or a situation or scene that had just happened. This is what we do. We don't build altars like they do. But when we sing, when we worship, when we gather together, we're essentially being worshipers, listen, in response to what God has done in your life and in my life. And you can tell when a person's changed, can't you? Because they begin to build altars, altars to the Lord. They're softer. There's a change in their countenance. There's a change in the direction of their life. There's a a change in the attention of of what they're interested in. And I believe God's done that for dozens and hundreds and hundreds of people here at South Beach Church this morning. But I believe right now he wants to do it even greater in your life. He wants to alter your attention. He wants to alter your life. And he wants to give you the peace that passes understanding. I hope you have this peace right now. It's crazy out there. It's crazy everywhere. Portland, Blodgett, Cambodia, it's all the same. It's crazy. And yet when you have the peace of God that passes understanding, you can be a man or you can be a woman like Gideon who looks at your pedigree and says, I don't know if I have enough. The Lord says, perfect. (laughs) That'll be fun. Then you won't get the glory. Nobody will be confused. It'll all be a miracle. Everyone will know that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And so if you feel like you're outnumbered, outgunned, distracted, oppressed, those are all good things. God's going to use those things to get your attention, to get your devotion. Guys, I, I need to just finish the story and we'll extract some more of it next week. But Gideon starts with what we're going to call devastation. And he's finding himself devastated by what's happened in his own life. And then God brings to him this connection, this consecration. And then he immediately then leads him in what he's going to do now. Just tune in with me because I believe the Lord wants to work in your life and we don't want to miss this. Look at verse 25. It says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of the Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of the rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull, he took a team of oxen, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and he did as the Lord had said to him. But because the Lord had said, or because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. We're going to learn about that next week, but I want you to see what God has him to do right away. Hey God, I want to make sure it's you in my life. I want to have confirmation. Can we have communion? This morning I was so excited to take communion with you guys and with the Lord. Just coming to the table, reminding myself of the sacrifice that God gave to us, of his blood that was poured out, of the unleavened bread which brings us strength, of the tree that he hung on, the fire that he absorbed for you and for me. Because in that communion is confirmation. And when that confirmation comes, it leads to consecration. What does he ask Gideon to do? Gideon. Let's do this. Oh, first things first, though, it's time to clean house, starting with your dad's house, starting with the closest person to you. You see, your dad's gotten involved in this Baal worship. He's gotten involved in this idolatry. He's gotten involved in this paganism. So I want you to take a step of faith, take two bulls to your dad's house, take one bull, tie him up to this pole, this idolatrous pole, and pull it down with that bull. And then take the 
wood from that idolatrous idol that pulls down and build an altar there and then take the other bull and kill it and sacrifice it to the Lord on there as an offering to God. Listen, and as a sign to the rest of the world that things are about to change. See, here's what we often do, and I'm going to have Ryan come up. He's going to lead us in a song. We're going to take the time to have this, this opportunity for you to respond. And as Ryan leads us in worship, as we consider what the Lord has done in our own lives, I promise you, God has things for your future. But what he wants to do is have confirmation in your life, but he also wants to have consecration. And when we come to the table of the Lord, and when we confess our sins, and when we agree with the Lord, listen, you can't leave here this morning the same. Amen? I'm not Catholic. I didn't grow up Catholic, but I did watch a lot of movies. And so forgive me if I get this wrong, but what it appeared like in some Catholic movies is you would go to confession and confess your sins, and get it off your chest. And, and then in the movies, you, you would kind of go back and do the same thing that you'd already done previously. Some of the mobster movies, and you just kind of, you'd go out the same as you came in. This is not what happened to Gideon. Gideon had confirmation. Oh, it is the Lord. And the Lord said, all right, you ready? Same night, same night. What are we doing? Get some bulls. What? Go to your dad's house. What? Tear down that altar. We got a clean house. Gideon, you're in trouble right now. This is crazy. Seven years of oppression, of chaos, of disaster. After the rumble bumps, it gets worse. God's got your attention now. No more messing around. This is the fight of your life. Oh, but my wife, she's separated from me. I know. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to go next level? to save what matters most? Are you gonna go next level for your grandkids, for your community, for the people around you? It's time to get serious in our lives. It's time to say, Lord, don't just give me the comfort and the peace, Jehovah Shalom. And immediately the Lord says, let's get to work then. For such a time as this, are you guys not excited about what the Lord is doing right in our midst? Here in Lincoln County, at South Beach Christian School, at the hill, right over here on my left, as God begins to create a church on a hill that cannot be hidden, salt and light in this world, as he raises up a generation in a funky warehouse. You guys know you're in a funky warehouse right now, don't you? Man, this place is whack. People driving by here, what's going on there? There's so many cars in the parking lot. You're part of it. And like my friend John, who died yesterday. You too will die. One day. You'll go to my funeral or I'll go to yours. It's going to happen. But right now is a beautiful day to be alive in the things of God. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me. We're going to sing this song. Father, in Jesus' name, I repent, Lord. I will be the first to repent this morning and say, like Gideon, I easily complain about the people around me, the lack of organization, the lack of miracles, the corruption in the government, the corruption in each other. I just got all these, all these horizontal reports. And the Lord says, hey, let's, let's commune together, Gideon. I want to do something in you. I want to do something through you. And let me make this very simple this morning. If you feel that you're behind right now, the eight ball, if you would, if you feel that you're overwhelmed, you're underprepared, you don't have enough going for you. Maybe you've even got some compromise in you. 
and you simply want to say, yes, Lord, I need you to confirm in my life the call, Lord, that you're leading me in right now to move there, to stay here, to get involved with that, to let my light shine that people see your glory. If that's you and you need that confirmation and more than confirmation, you know you just need to be filled with the Lord in order to hear what he has for you to do next. I want you to come forward right now and crowd the front here. Put your hand on the stage, your hand on the person in front of you and say, yes, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want you to get out of your chair right now and come down the aisle and say, yes, Lord. I want to humble myself before you and say, use me for such a time as this. I don't know how much longer I have, Lord, and I want everything to be yours. I'm going to join you down there in just a minute because I do not want to mess around. It is too important to sit back on your blessed assurance and watch someone else do it while we make commentary on all the things going wrong. Soften your heart. Be filled with the Holy Spirit once again and let the Lord do in you what he wants to do through you. Lord, would you in Jesus' name, Lord, as people are coming down right now, crowding all in front in Jesus' name, Lord, would you minister to us, Lord? It's not too much for you. It's not too much for our God, the God of heaven and earth, the God of the past and the future. You've told us the future. Lord, we've read the book of Revelation. We know what you're going to do. So forgive us for acting like we don't know that you're coming soon, for not being preachers of the gospel and not looking for you to return. Would you just anoint us right now in Jesus' name? Lord, anoint us to be Bible guys and Bible gals in fellowship, walking in the Spirit. Lord, forgive us for being a fearful of mankind, Lord, lovers of pleasure, Lord, wanting to stack up teachers that just tickle our ears. Lord, forgive us. Forgive our church, Lord. Make us about your business. I thank you so much, Lord. Anoint us. We praise. We sing this song. May your Holy Spirit descend upon us now, and may you move, Lord, freely. Heal us, lead us, and Lord, prepare us for what you have in Jesus' name. Let's sing to the Lord. And would you just gently pray for the person in front of you or by you? If you need prayer, just raise up your hand. Someone will come to you right now. Let's sing together.